Good morning. This Sunday, I'm even watching myself be the preacher, perhaps a first for me. Usually, I watch the news in the morning before I preach, so if anything has happened since, uh, since Wednesday, we are the victims of Zoom and the pandemic. So we wait and we wait. Today and this week, I am mindful of waiting with some special events that are happening this week. First of all, the United Nations Interfaith Harmony Week um, helps me to look forward to work and to wait for the harmony among faith groups, which I seek. Second, February is Black History Month, which has increased significantly over the past several years as we remember that black lives matter. And we are living with isolation and pandemic, which has significantly increased our sense of waiting, our sense of isolation in our homes without visitors, um, and other tasks that we would like to have, that we would like to do, but cannot do. As we read the text in Isaiah, we can understand how the Jews in Babylon waited, had a hard time believing that they could return to Israel, and wondered if they should go back because it had been a long time in a new land. Remember how Jeremiah told them to build houses, have families, live peaceably with their neighbors, and make for good community. Did they even want to disrupt what they, had cur what they currently had? And what does waiting and living somewhere do to a human? A friend of one roof said to me, we need to get kids off the street in less than two weeks or the change will be much more difficult for them. While we wait, we adjust. Will we still Zoom when the pandemic ceases to restrict us? Will we be wearing masks to prevent other diseases and viruses? We've not had a flu season this year. Will we keep up hobbies, cook more, and have more family time with children? Due to some travel, during, not during this pandemic, and some surgeries that I had, I've had to wait a long time for healing and to wait to return to what I thought was normal. I was told how long it would be, and then I would count down, 12 days left, 11 more days, 10 days, and then I could slowly resume some normalcy. However, there were other times when I did not know how long it would take, and those were much more difficult. What if I did something or went somewhere and I wasn't as healed as I thought I was? And in one case, I didn't know whether I would have side effects, long-term or short-term. So waiting is hard. The Hebrews were waiting for a Messiah, but Jesus wasn't the kind of Messiah they expected. Mark helps us see who Jesus is by the healing or miracle stories in the early chapters of Mark. Miracle stories and healing stories come before the preaching and the proclamation stories. The people are hoping for liberation from Romans, from wealthy landowners, from taxes, and from some religious leaders. There were leaders who cooperated with the oppressors and made religion difficult, and there were others who cooperated in wise leaders who brought hope for freedom and from oppression sometimes at great risk to themselves, but not always. People are healed. In these verses, it's Simon's mother. I laugh and cry when I read that she gets up and then she makes a meal for the disciples. 
Do you suppose the story was written by a man? But many come to Jesus for healing and hope. Burton Mack, one of my New Testament professors, says that miracles are preparing us as readers and as followers to understand Jesus and to be ready to hear his other messages. The next morning after supper, Jesus is alone to rebuild his energy through prayer. But he knows his mission, and then he and the disciples go to another town. The miracles of healing are about casting out demons. Jesus is in a battle with evil, with Satan, and with demons. The people's illnesses are seen from that perspective. He is the antidote to evil. We do not think of illness from this viewpoint, but sometimes our waiting feels ugly and depressing and we want relief. Can God be with us in a way that we can feel that relief or sense a higher power or find ways that, those, that we and others can cope with what's going on? We wait, we work. We wait, we struggle. We hope, we wait, we work. Muslims began the week, the United Nations Week for Interfaith Harmony, specifically the King of Jordan, to bring together people, to work together, to meet each other, and to understand different roads to Allah, Yahweh, God, or various ideas of transcendence. We need this week as faith leaders to renew our spirits and to work harder so that all people of all faiths can participate in the life of the community. Much of my work is with Interfaith Grand River. Through Interfaith, I am working with the region and others to roll out the vaccines so that all people of all faiths can participate and they can decide for themselves what they need to have in the way of vaccines. I am involved with Muslim Social Services as we try to work with families and social systems so that counselors, teachers, doctors, and medical staff government, staff, employers, and others understand how Islamic spirituality can help people live better and help people heal. Many do not realize that our disciplines are very Western, Enlightenment, and Judeo-Christian. Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, and others have practices to move them beyond, through the suffering into health and life. Spirituality is a very important part of healing. And we are working together on these issues at Muslim Social Services in Interfaith Grand River. The record three weeks ago had three negative stories about faith communities, including the church on Lopsinger Road. Faith communities have issues, but I do not find the same coverage for all the work that faith groups do to help people, mostly through various other organizations nor is it reported how much we come together to work in harmony. I'm thankful for the region and some other groups are now seeing Interfaith Grand River and Churches Together Waterloo Region as a source for a healthier climate. And then last week, there were two stories on the front page. One was again about the church on Lobsinger Road and the other was about St. Mary's where they were helping out the homeless. Finally, we got a shot at who we are as faith communities. We wait, we work, we wait. We seek signs of God's presence, we work, we wait. We hope that a better day will come. Will we be ready? Will we recognize that day? The COVID pandemic 
is a new phenomenon for all of us under 100 years old. The Spanish flu has, had killed many of our ancestors, including my great-grandmother. Many of us remember the polio that struck. Many, including my sister, my uncle, and two cousins, had polio. When we had the vaccine, we all lined up. I don't remember the panic, but I remember the quarantine and my sister's month-long stay in a hospital when she was very, very young, and then her several surgeries as an older child and a teenager to correct the um, problems from polio. Polio has been worldwide. It is almost eliminated. And although we know the vaccine is coming, we don't know whether it will be a yearly experience or for a lifetime. We don't know if it will be effective against all variants. We don't know when it will arrive. Supposedly, we wish to all be vaccinated by September 2021, but there are questions about whether Canada will get vaccine. We don't know after, whether after vaccine, we can still be carriers. How many need vaccinations so it will disappear? So many questions. And now people are restless and tired of waiting, but we know that we must isolate. It's been interesting to hear some positive messages come through. The vaccine was developed very quickly and is good. Some people are reaching out to those who are isolated and need food. Homeless people are considered for protection and we recognize family dysfunction and tension with parents working and trying to help their children with school at home. COVID has expressed many inequalities and inadequacies in our society that we have not dealt with, like nursing home safety, poverty, environment, sick leave. They all need to be addressed and we, we become hopeful, but sometimes we come, become cynical that governments will not act. Trump's leaving the White House is a positive sign, partly because of the idealism of Biden and Harris in their inauguration, his initial responses with executive orders are hopeful. Will systemic issues be addressed? Will COVID calm down quickly? We wait, we work, we see signs of hope. We wait, we struggle, we work, we wait. Finally, let us think of Black Lives Matter and the attention it is drawing. Can police services change? Will there be better mental health services? Will human rights become stronger? Will those who practice racism or make racist statements be confronted? Will we learn to accept our whiteness as Anglos? I'm thankful for our work here together at Rockway Church, um, where we've begun to address white privilege and white superiority. Our work is to address the issues of being white and how that can affect us and how it f affects our relationships with people of color, black indigenous people of color. It makes, we can have a better relationship with other people. Recently, I read two novels of 12 black policemen in Atlanta, Georgia, when the police force first accepted black policemen, but put them in a separate division under a white officer. They weren't allowed to arrest white people and they had their activities restricted to some of the black neighborhoods that the white policemen did not want to go into. A number of them had been World War II veterans, 
who fought their country for their country and now were segregated back in Atlanta, which was better than other southern places, other southern cities. After reading the novels, which were based on the history of black police in Atlanta in the 1950s, I decided to find out how long police in Atlanta were segregated. 1969 was the first year of integration. I had lived two summers in Atlanta, 1966 and 1967, and had not realized this arena of segregation in the city. I was the lone white person working at a community center and tutoring at a school, and I lived with other voluntary service workers in the black community. Why did I not see as white and privileged, as a white and privileged young man? Why was I not told of this segregation in the police department? The song History to Freedom by Oscar Peterson, Oscar Peterson is a friend of mine. He's Canadian. And in this video, you will see black Canadians of significance as the song progresses. How did these people strive for freedom? What did we not see in their struggle against racism? How can we make sure that all will have freedom and opportunity? How did their faith sustain them in the midst of racism? How long will they need to wait and work and struggle, find and lose hope and suffer marginalization and wait? I think of how long the black community has been striving for freedom. I think of how long we need to work for interfaith harmony so all faiths are respected in our secular society. I think of how long we will be isolated and restricted because of the pandemic. And in all of this, we are never far from God, who can be seen in small and large ways as we wait, as we work, as we look for God's presence around us, as we wait, and as we envision a better time to come for us and all people. As Isaiah says, the Lord will renew your strength. As in the past, we, he, we shall mount up with wings like eagles, we shall run and not be weary. We shall walk and not faint. Though we wait, we are not alone. We have each other and we have a powerful transcendence presence who walks with us. May we feel that power and grace in our midst. And may we be prepared to continue to walk with God when the new day arrives because the struggle will not be over. Yet justice and peace will come someday. Shall we pray together through the hymn to freedom by Oscar Peterson. Amen.